Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado, and I'm a photographer here in beautiful Miami, Florida. And each week, I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. Today, I am joined by entrepreneur, celebrity stylist, and founder of the A1 brand, Sarah Akiva. On this episode, we cover Sarah's wide-ranging initiatives and the inspiration for each, from her nonprofit assisting those who have suffered loss, to the middle school-aged girls mentoring program, her female-first creative agency, as well as the Women's Dinner Series, where she hosts 20-plus influential women each month and creates a space to connect and share ideas. But best of all, today we get a personal, up-close view into her upbringing and the struggles she had to overcome to be who she is today. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this heartening and stirring conversation with Sarah Akiba. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am so happy that we're finally getting to do this. Me too. So happy. I feel like it's been a long time coming. <laughs> That's right. It was supposed to be in person. We had been trying to set it up in person for a while, but as we're recording this, we're both still under quarantine for COVID. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But one of the first things that I wanted to do was maybe give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and your brand and everything that you do to the listeners. For sure. So my name is Sarah Akiba. Um, I live in Miami, obviously, Miami Creators. Uh, I'm actually from Paris, France. I was born there. And I come from a Moroccan descent. So my father was born in Morocco, all my grandparents. And yes, yeah, so I'm French Moroccan. I have a couple companies. It's kind of wild. A couple companies and also just series of things that I put together. I'm a creator. So I just... I don't love doing the same thing all the time. So I'm always figuring out, okay, how can I do this differently? Or how can I even inspire myself? And the way that I've just learned that what inspires me the most for everything that I do is just community and bringing people together. I just love being with people. And at that, I love being with real people, like genuine people that I relate to and that have the same values and that are just kind. I love this quarantine because I feel like I've really tapped into that and I've narrowed down like, okay, like this is why I do this. You know, um, it's given right. me the time to really think about that. Have you found it to be overall positive or have you found it overall to be a little bit hard since you are so much about community and being with people and spending time with people? Talk to me about how you, this has specifically felt for you. I'm just such a busy person all the time. So I'm with people all the time or I'm traveling or I'm moving around or running errands or in meetings, on phone calls. And during this time, it's just been for me, I feel very lucky, obviously, for everything that I have and, you know, being able to have shelter and food at this time. But being able to have this time, I just feel so grateful for me. It's been so positive in so many ways. I've just been able to spend time with myself. And I haven't done that in so, so long or just been able to breathe. So it, for me, has definitely been something positive. I'm even looking forward to more time in the house. I'm not rushing anywhere. 
it's actually been so eye-opening how we don't necessarily in this generation have to be next to each other to to be a community. We can totally have togetherness while still not being. So I've, I've found ways to build community via, you know, like we're doing right now, you know, over the computer right. or FaceTiming or calling. Like, I feel like I've been closer to people that I haven't been close to in so long because I haven't had the time to call. Like my family, my cousins, my my aunts, like I never have time to speak with people for more than 10 minutes. And now I have the time. So I feel like it's it's helping a lot. And it's funny because I also, right now I have like a weekly Zoom call with my entire family, some of it, some of which is here in Miami, some of which is in New Jersey and this and that. And it's a standing meeting, Zoom meeting every Friday night, everybody's gathered around a laptop and it's just talking. And that's just something that I guess we could have done in the past, but it's, it becomes really hard because you may be going out to dinner or you may be doing this or running this errand. So it's like, well, I can't make that call. We'll talk later or something like that. So the fact that everybody is at home, hopefully, and and doesn't have too much to do, at least in the nights or in the weekends or anything, it also, it also becomes rather easy to just be like, hey, you want to you you talk? Yeah. And it's great. And you know what's also great? Saying no to talking too. <laughs> you know, like right, like right now, like, no, I don't really feel like it. Like I, I, I just want to like be, you know, right. and it's, it's really been so, so beautiful. I think, you know, I hope that when we come out of this, we don't lose some of what we're learning while we're here, you know, especially that word that you mentioned earlier community. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I want to use that to kind of segue a little bit deeper into, into your brand and all the things that you do. I've been watching from the sideline of all the things that you've done, because as soon as I started the show, I quickly started hearing about you and about your brand from different interviews and different people and everything. And so AWOM, your foundation, the labs, the dinners, give the listeners a little crash course of all the things that you're doing. So AWOM is um, my nonprofit. It stands for Angel Watching Over Me. And I have different programs within AWOM. So we have AWOM support group, which is how it started initially as a support group for people who lost a loved one. This is for both men and women. It's a free support group every other week. And we have an amazing therapist on board. And it's a 12 week support group, you know, where we meet. And then I have AWOM girls club every Friday, which is where I built a room in a public school, Olson middle school. And I speak to 220 little girls every single Friday. So on Friday, I'm Miss Sarah and I bring in other women and, and men just to speak to them about different subjects, you know, uh, self-care, anti-bullying, compassion, everything that's not taught in school. Right. And it goes further than that. You know, we help their families. We make sure that the girls have everything they need. We host yoga Wednesdays every other Wednesday for them. So it goes into wellness. It goes into, you know, these girls really struggle with not only their situations at, at home that are just very tough, but even just with themselves, like self-love, you know, something that in middle school is very difficult. In high school, you know, you kind of lose your way. So we prepare them to go into high school, you know, with their head high and like be proud of who you are, you know. So I, I, that's, you know, that's a program that touches a lot of people and, and gets a lot of support because I think that as a young girl, I think we've all been there 
And I don't think it's about how much money you have or, you know, where you're from. I think that we all struggle with a lot of similar things, even men, you know, even boys. So we actually started boys club this year with my nice. friend Jeremy Abramson. Yeah. Which we haven't even promoted that part yet, but it's just important to have a safe space and community, you know, again, it's like community, like know that like there's a girl next to you that feels the same way, no matter what she looks like, you know, no matter if you think she's prettier than you or uglier than you or, you know, wherever, whatever background race, whatever, like she feels the same. So that's girls club. Um, we have an annual fashion show for that, which is just, it's, it's just grown into something so beautiful where the girls just, they inspire one another to, to look good and feel good and just be, models and i always say they're not supermodels but they're role models and it, they they're my supermodels but like in life like being a role model is so much bigger than that then for thanksgiving we feed 250 families uh give them full meals but we don't only stop there i literally set the table for them so um i give them a uh, tablecloth i give them a um the silverware the dinner plates the full meal like everything and a centerpiece with flowers so that, you know, this will go into my other, uh, it's not, this is a dinner series that I created, which is a woman's dinner. And for me growing up, dinner table was so important. It's where the best conversations were. My mom made it such a point to make it look so beautiful every night, just out of love for us, you know? And I just think that that it just inspires me to sit at a table with people. I care about hearing their stories. Like I want to know, I want to, I want to know people. And I feel like sharing a meal, that's where you get to know someone for real. So um, yeah, so that's my, a woman's dinner series, which is a monthly dinner. And then I have a one lab, which is a female creative agency and a photography studio. And it's just like a full everything photo studio. It's a female co-working space, which we allow uh, male allies. So we have a lot of cool different companies working out of there. And then what I do professionally and what I've always done is I'm a celebrity wardrobe stylist. So I work with a lot of Latin artists this year, dressing them for music videos and things like that. Wow. Yes. It's amazing. It's a lot. I love it. It's a lot. It sounds like Every single one of these things has a little bit of a seed of your personal experience, right? From the dinner, you're drawing, you know, inspiration from what your mom did. I can now see the whole fashion show based on what you do professionally. Would you say that there's one common thread other than community that ties all of these things together or like a driving factor or life goal? Oh my God. That is such a good question. I love that. I think overall, I'm just such a passionate person. Any project that I take on, it's from love and from passion and because I want to do it, not because I just see a need for it. Like if I love it, if I do something that I love, I know that the people that will come and follow me or join me will be people that also share that common love for that specific thing. So I would say like passion and love would be my answer to that. Like that's like my driving force. Was there a specific reason of why you decided to do the girls club in middle school instead of maybe saying in high school or elementary or I have no idea. There's a million and one different ways that you could have gone with it. So that middle school literally just fell on my lap. Like that is just like the craziest story. But 
after I did this in a middle school, I realized, wow, middle school were the hardest years of my life. It's where I got bullied. It's where I ate in the bathroom. It's where I was the most confused in my entire life um, mm. of like my body and my this and what's going on and my friends and the clicks and this and that and my nationality and, and, you know, dealing with anti-Semitism. Like I dealt with that in middle school in America, all of those things. So even if this school just kind of fell on my lap, it's so, it's almost like God sent it to me that way because he knew that like I had dealt with that. Right. You know, he, like it, 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 it was so natural because I'm like, of course I can speak to these girls. I know exactly what they're going through. You know, and if I don't, then I'm going to bring somebody else who does. And that's what I do. I bring in friends or, or people who I just know are influential or can help them. How did that opportunity come about that, that you mentioned that it was like a crazy story? Yeah, that. Um, so my mom owns an antique shop and this amazing woman by the name of Audrey, she came in looking for teacups one day. And she's like, oh, I'm doing a mother-daughter tea party at this school because um, these young girls, they just have bad situations and no lady like etiquette. And, you know, so we're putting together a little um, tea party for them at the school. And she goes, oh, and my dream would be to do a fashion show. You know, these girls, they have nothing. And when my mom heard fashion show, she's like, oh, you got to talk to my daughter. Like, she would love this. She has a foundation. At this point, AWAM was just support groups. So my mom calls me my mom, my office is right up top of her building. So uh, she's like, Sarah, you have to come down here. There's this lady, you got to talk to her. And I was like, you know, whenever someone in your family calls, you're like, I'm busy. I can't right now, you know, call me later, you know, tell them to give them my number. She's right. like, I'm telling you, you're going to want to hear this. So I did, I went down and she's like, you know, I'd love to put a fashion show for these girls. They're just, they need so much confidence. They're, they're so low. Like their family situation is terrible. And they just have no confidence within themselves. And I'm like, okay, like, what are you looking for? How many girls is it? She's like, it's 60 girls. And I had like, in my lab upstairs at the time was also just a design studio. I was designing clothes. So okay. I had racks of clothes of, that I had thrifted over years. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Like I'll put together a full fashion show. Like, don't worry. And she's like, well, how it's in three days. I was like, okay. I was like, well, do you guys have like a DJ so that, you know, they could walk down. She goes to TJ like, no, not at all. You know, that's not, we don't have that, <laughs> you know? And I was like, okay, well, do you have like somewhere they can walk down the, the runway so we could make it look nice. And she's like, oh no, we don't have that either. So, and wow. I was like, oh, well, what about, you know, hair and makeup and stuff maybe. And she was like, no, 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 <laughs> we really don't have any of this. And I was like, okay, let me make some phone calls. So I spent the, the rest of the day, just calling every person I knew that was in beauty, fashion, wardrobe, styling, makeup, hair. And I got this like incredible team of like 30 volunteers, 10 makeup artists, 10 hair stylists, um, Saks Fifth Avenue donated gift bags of makeup for the girls. And I just community again, like my community came through with my idea that I had for these girls. And at the very end of the show, I had never met these students. And the whole time they were like, oh, Miss Sarah, do I look okay, Miss Sarah? And I'm like, you don't even know me. You're calling me Miss Sarah. Like, it's just Sarah, you know? And at the very end of the show, a girl takes the microphone from the principal, who I, I had never met. Again, like, I'm just this girl who's walking into this blind. And she said, hi. Uh, she had a very strong Haitian accent. And she said, my name is Dorianne, and I... Um, I have tried committing suicide 
about 10 times in the last year. I never feel beautiful. She like lifted her sleeve and she had scars like you would never imagine. She goes, I cut myself every day. And she goes, and for the first time in my life today, I felt beautiful. And everyone was just like, I can still cry talking about it, just in full, like, what the heck just happened? And then another girl came up, this cute little chubby white girl with freckles, like the cutest thing, like from a movie, you know, she was beautiful. And she walks up, she goes, well, today, you know, I got dressed up and the girls who bullied me, well, they helped me zip my dress. And it was just like, these girls kept going up and telling their testimonies. And I was just like, like this, you know, I went up to the principal after I said, well, you know, hi, I know you don't know who I am, but what else can I do here? You know, like, what can I do for you? She goes, I don't know, but we're here. Right. So a week later, I was driving by the school on a Friday and I was like, you know what? I have nothing to do today. My meetings got canceled. I'm going to stop by the school. So I went to the school and I was like, oh, can I see uh, Principal Harris? And like, she's a very busy woman. I said, well, me too, but I promise you she wants to see me. <laughs> I was very like stern, you know? And she saw me and I was like, you know, I'm here. I just want to see what I can do. She goes, I don't know. You know, I don't really know what to tell you if the girls will even remember you. I was like, well, maybe I could just go to the cafeteria during lunchtime. And if, you know, I'll sit at the table. And if anybody notices me, I mean, all the girls ran to my table and were like, Miss Sarah, what are you doing here? And they remembered me. And so I started showing up on Fridays and my tables on Fridays would get so full that the principal came to me. She goes, hey, we got to move you to a room. Like tell the girls to bring you to this room. And that's how it became Girls Club. Now we're, you know, four years in. In August will be the fifth school year, which is just so wild. And now we actually have built an actual safe room because we used to be in a room with like spiders crawling, like disgusting. And now we're in this beautiful room where, you know, I painted the walls. I got everything done. We have a little library where they get to check like self-love books out, um, extra school supplies if they need pads in case they get their period, extra change of clothes in case of emergencies. Let's say somebody doesn't have money for lunch. You know, there's an extra stash there that I leave for some of the girls. There's, you know, just to make sure that they're okay, you know? Right. That's so beautiful. And and yeah, obviously once you go through that experience and you hear those girls going up and, and talking about their testimony, that's it. You're hooked. Oh. You're hooked. There's no way you can stop it. Is. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What was the inspiration for you said that everything started with the support with the, group. with the support group? What was the inspiration behind that? So I lost my dad to lung cancer. This year will be seven years. And I just, you know, it was very difficult because I was 21. I was, you know, in college, partying, having the time of my life. And then this huge thing happened. And my dad was the backbone of our family, you know, um, I didn't feel like I could talk to my family about it because I didn't want to make them more sad. So I started just posting on social media, like hashtag angel watching over me, you know? Um, and so many people would write me, you know what? My angel is this. And I was like, Hey, can we meet up and maybe like talk over coffee about, you know, how you dealt with your loss. And it was like almost strange to people, but I feel like I needed that. And I wasn't afraid to ask for it. And I couldn't afford therapy. I also didn't know where to look for it, honestly, because right. everything, it's like when it rains, it pours and it really did for our family. 
you know, we, we had to sell our house and we had to, you know, everything that happens after a big loss, I feel like that happens to everyone. I had, I took on like three jobs. Like it was just such a huge shift. So I needed that support and selfishly I did it. And then it just was like a crew, like a crew of people. And then I found this amazing therapist that reached out to me. Um, It was actually two therapists at the time. And they're like, Hey, like we'll give you free sessions for a whole year. If you keep, if you want to do this. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. And we started calling it time talks. And it was just this grief support group that became a family. And that's also now like five years in of just this beautiful, amazing family of people who lost someone. And we're just so open. And it's not only like, we don't only talk about the person we lost. We talk about our life, you know, we talk about everything that we deal with because it's not just about that person, but it's about everything that comes with it. You know, after you lose something, right. there's so much that comes with that. So it's so beautiful. It's obviously free. So everything that we do is like at no charge. Um, that's what we raise funds for. Maybe you can shine a light into what are some of those lessons that you've learned along the way and what you've been doing the past few years that some of them may be obvious. Some of them may not be, you know, some of them were maybe things that completely shocked you that you were not expecting. You know, I learn every day and I love that because if I'm learning, I'm growing. Right. And I get to take that and and use it. So I think my biggest struggle was, was asking for help because I was so you know, I can do it by myself. I can do it by myself. I can do it by myself that I was drowning, you know, drowning and helping others. And you cannot help others if you're not fueling yourself. And that was a really, really big lesson because I felt like super woman, you know, and everyone's obviously praising you. Like you're like mother Teresa, you know, you're just helping everyone. How do you do it? And it came so naturally to me until it would hit me like, like a month at a time. I'd be like, Whoa, like I'm, I'm tired. And like, I would cry and, you know, I wouldn't fill myself up. So biggest lesson was to ask for help. And even bigger is setting boundaries that I didn't have before. I would say yes to everything. I can help you. Yes. What do you need? Yes. Yes. What do you like? You know, these families would say, can my daughter sleep at your house? Like they have nowhere to go tonight. And I would say yes. And I'd take them home with me and I would do their laundry and I would make sure they get to school the next day. If I, if I have the power in me to do it, then I will, you know, that's how I thought that's how until like my mom would say comments like you can help. It's okay to help, but you also have to be careful for you. You know, I never thought of things like someone could sue me, not God forbid. I hope that never happens to me, but you have to think of that when you grow. Right. So, you know, then I, I've surrounded myself with beautiful people who, who teach me these things. So yeah, we're definitely setting boundaries and, and sometimes saying no super big. How are you approaching that? Because given your personality, finding yourself in that catch 22 of you want to help, but you know that the smart thing at times may be to say no. How are you approaching that? I talk to them more. So oftentimes it's people just in kind of a frantic moment where, you know, I need help doing this. Like, I don't know what's happening. And I learned almost like how to communicate with people more and say, you know what? Hey, let's, let's calm down for a second. Let's see what's really happening. Instead of me just reacting like, okay, where are you? I'll be there in a second. Right. So that was, that was me. I was just like on the go. Now I'm more like, okay, let's take a couple steps back and 
see how important this really is. Are we, you know, is this a 911 situation or is this something that could wait and be talked out, you know? And as far as saying no, some people oftentimes, because I'm, I'm little too, like I'm five foot tall and this little white girl who like, yes, woman to everything, you know, you kind of have to be like, hey, like, I'm sorry, but this time this can't happen. You know, you have to be stern. And I, I've learned to have that voice that I didn't have before too. It, it was just, um, I was almost shy to tell people no, where now I'm like, I know where I'm at. And I think it comes with confidence of your work. You know, knowing that like, yes, I can help everyone, but it won't be as efficient if I'm not fueling myself. Right. So you have this interesting dynamic of being like philanthropic and creative, but you obviously have a little bit of a knack for for starting ventures. Um, and this is a question that I always like to ask in all of my interviews. Would you consider yourself a philanthropist or creative first and then business person second? Or do you think you're primarily a business person who just happens to have a knack for, for these types of ventures? Such a good question. I love your questions. They make me think. I love that. Um, hmm. I have always been such a hustler. I love making money. It, it's, it's so funny because it's so the opposite of my philanthropy. Like I don't take a, a check from my foundation out of, I've never had. So yeah, I, I don't know what I would be first. I'm a creative first. I'm, I get so inspired so easily. I, I love making money and I love starting businesses and like coming up with ideas, which is again, creative. And I think that even inspires me to be philanthropic because like with the fashion show, I'm still like, creative, you know, um, with our content curation, I'm still being creative. And then I think I just have this innate thing of just talking to people. You know, I, I love hearing people's stories. My dad was very philanthropic, but almost without using that word, I've, I never really heard of that word before, you know, starting this, like I never, you know, um, I, I'm more just like, I want to help. Like if I'm, I'm able, I can help you. Even in business wise, like a dear friend of mine, I was on a panel once. Her name is Joanne Wilson. She's a, she's a pastor and she stopped the panel in front of like, literally there were like at least a hundred people there. And she goes, you know, Sarah's speaking, but you guys got to know this about Sarah, that it's not just, she's a philanthropist. It's like, this girl is always putting money in everyone else's pockets. So even business wise, I'm always giving, like, I'm always making sure, like, if I can help you grow, like I'm going to, you know what right. I mean? It's never about only me. It's almost like a giving thing. It's not about being a philanthropy. It's like, whether it's being an entrepreneur or a creative or whatever, it's however I can give. I would almost dare to say that I, I think it, you're definitely entrepreneur first, because even with the things that you do for helping the community whether there's money exchanged or not, it's still that hustle. It's still well, making the call and saying, hey, I need you to do this. How can we make you a part of this? How That's the same thing, whether there's money being exchanged or just giving. Yeah. It's it's all the same. It's the same talent. Totally so. And when you asked the question, the first thing that came to mind, I just didn't want to blur it out, was entrepreneur, for sure. Right. Yeah. D did you ever think that this was the way that 
your life was going to go. Um, like you said, you've always been a hustler and this and that. Did you have an inkling early on in life that you were going to be doing some of these things? Or, or, or at what point did things change for you? You know, I always knew I would be in fashion because that's what I loved the most. I didn't know how it, it would go. Like I've done it all. I've been in retail. I've been a, a buyer for a small boutique. Like I've done it all in that sense. Started my own little online shop. Um, but never did I think I would be where I am. I mean, I, I feel so grateful for, for being able to do what I do and having people love it just as much as I do. If you would have asked me at like 21, when my dad passed, you know, or at 20, like, would you think that you would have a, a philanthropy called angel watching over me, AWOM, who that turned into this huge thing where every year there's a gala that people dress up and are dying to go the next year, you know, like, would you ever think you're helping 220 young girls or feeding this many families? And would I ever think to have these beautiful people that I'm surrounded with and new friends that I've met and speaking on a podcast, like, wow, like this is like a dream, you know, this is something like, like a young girl dreams of. And, and I, and I do it and I feel like I'm just noticing it now. It's like nothing's taken for granted on this side. I thought I would be this Jewish girl that grew up in Aventura with the same friends for the rest of my life, had kids at 22 and called it a day. <laughs> Seriously, like that's what, it, because they all, you know, all those girls have the same friends for forever and stayed with the same clique. And there's a reason that they're not my friends anymore. You know, that, that we've separated because that just wasn't my path. Like, I was meant to have friends from all over the world. I was meant to, to learn from people that I would have never imagined and have meetings in these incredible offices that like I, you know, you see in movies, you know what I mean? Like if I would have stayed within that, I, I knew that I would always be a hustler and make my own money in that sense. My mom was always like that. She always taught me that and made sure like, don't ever let a man take care of you. Even though my father was the best of the best, just ever, like you be your own woman and you do you, you know? And so that always, cause again, always money hungry. I think I've opened 12 businesses from 19 to 21 at least. And my dad would make me like sign contracts. Like you want to start this, do it. And I would, you know, I wouldn't finish it. So AWOM and everything that came with AWOM is something I've stuck to. And I can't believe like that. I one stuck to it and just like, kept it going. Like I, I just, I would have never imagined I would be where I am today ever. You mentioned something about the group of people that you grew up with. You had to eventually separate. Can you go a little bit into that? Because I feel like if you want to change who you are, a lot of times it's going to call you to change who you hang out with. Right. And so how did you navigate that? Such a tough subject for me. Um, it was such a struggle and it was like a three year period of my life where it was almost worse than losing my dad because I had known these girls my whole life. Um, they were all I knew. They, to me, were my sisters. I knew their families. I dated their brother, like one of my best friends, brother. you know, like I was family, like they were my family. So you would just never imagine that like these people that I thought we would be doing life together are complete strangers today. And yeah. what was it that 
what changed that made you have to not be part of that or, or that made it not possible for you to be part of the crew that you basically grew up with? It, I changed. I was changing and, and I don't think they liked it. I don't think that they liked it. I, I think that I was really expanding my horizons, you know, working with different people. And if we'll go really deep into it, it's, we all grew up with everything we needed and more. And when my dad passed, I didn't have that anymore. You know, that backbone, like to go back to and say, Hey dad, like, can I have a hundred bucks? <laughs> you know, like I didn't have that anymore Got it. or a credit card to swipe, you know? So I had to find my own way to do me. And that took going out, networking and meeting people that I wouldn't usually have met because it's not in that click, you know, and I had to make a name for myself that they already had that I did not have. Right. And I couldn't use, you know, a social, I could have, I could have used like, you know, the Jewish telephone, you know, and said, Hey, can you do that? It just wasn't for me. I, I was open also. I was very open to going out there and, and, and finding me. And I changed in the process. And yes, I had to do a lot of things like cancel plans with them because I had to go to this dinner to meet this person so that I can, you know, hopefully make this contact. Right. And, and it took that. And for me, that was okay because I knew I was hustling and doing what I had to do to, you know, achieve what I wanted to achieve. Which then I didn't even know what that was really. It was really just fashion related and, you know, myself. But I was also, you know, in that time, it was so hard because I had just lost my dad. We had sold my childhood home. We were all moving into our own spaces with my three older brothers that I was raised with my whole life in this house, my nephews, you know, my mom and dad. And then I was so sad and stressed without knowing it. And I was just another person. And I felt like, so not confident in myself. And so like, I felt like at that time, maybe I needed my friends to, to, to be there for me and feel bad for me. I needed them to say, you know what? Shit, you're going through so much right now. L let's just be there for Sarah, you know? Cause clearly right. it was showing on the outside, not just on the inside that like something was happening. And instead they were just pushing me away further and further and further. And just saying like, Oh, I can't be your friend. Like you're just, you're a totally different person. And thank God my family is just so amazing that, you know, I had them to have as support. And then I had my support group as my support, but we all go through shit. And, and, you know, the people that will ride or die with you, those are the real ones. Right. So you mentioned several times your family in particular, your dad. Um, sounds like not only was his passing a catalyst for a, an incredible transformation in you, albeit a, a painful one. But what are some of the other ways that looking back, you feel, you know, your dad influenced you? What other areas of life? So many ways. It's funny. I was taking a walk with my mom yesterday. We've been quarantined. We live in the same building now, but we've been quarantining the same. So we took a walk and, you know, she goes, you're so your father's daughter. And I said, well, why? And she goes, just the way that you love so hard and the way that you give so much and the way that like you hold things in, you know? Um, so I'm like that in a lot of traits, but in like the work sense, it's like, and life, it's just, 
I like honest people and real people. And I think that when you put that out there, that's what comes to you. You know, growing up, I was not this person. Like in middle school, I was bullied until the point that I became the mean girl. And then in high school, I was the cool girl, you know? And then you grow up and you're like, shit, like that's not real. And then you go through real things like losing somebody and it wakes you up. And it's like, that's not real life, you know? And then you deal with real mean people and you're like, I don't want to be that. That's where I have learned so much in growing up why my dad was the way he was and how picky he was with his friends and the people he even let into our home. What did he do for a living? My dad was an art dealer, big hustler. I mean, there's such incredible stories with my dad. Like he could find a painting on the street and sell it for $250,000. That was my dad. Yeah, he was (laughs) just real hustler. So I definitely got that from him too. And my mom, like, and from my mom, like just being like such a like go getter. Like I, I don't just like make a call. Hey, can you go fix this? Like I go and I fix it myself kind of thing, you know? Right. Any quotes that you think of often mm-hmm. or that you try to live by? One that was really, really recent was just to stop. It said, just stop and accept what is. And I love that. I love that so much because, and I think in a time like this, there's no more perfect quote to just stop and accept what is because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Forget the past because it just doesn't exist, you know, and the future doesn't exist. So live right now and like live in full gratitude. That's what I take from that. Just stop and accept what is. Any others come to mind? I have so many books. It's less quotes. You know, I don't, I'm not really good with like memorizing quotes. Um, so many books that are like life changers for me. Like what? Um, the Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu. I think that is when my the biggest shift in my life was letting go, humility, and just compassion for others. That book almost said to me like, everything you're doing is okay. Like, it's the right thing to do. It was almost like, oh my God, I I could do this. You know, it's not wrong. You know, when I was going through the whole thing with my friends. So that was the biggest eye opener. Then um, the little book of like, um, it's spelled L-Y-K-K-E. It's actually a Danish book. Um, He is from from Sweden. Yeah, from Sweden. And um, it's all about just living a more simple life while being compassionate. And that for me was also huge because I grew up, you know, with fulfilling ourselves when we're feeling sad with things. You know, I don't feel pretty. Let's just go buy a pair of shoes. But that's not going to do it, you know? Right. Like filling your your life with stuff. Uh, another good one, soulful simplicity. Huge. That one. That one also taught me, like, you don't need things to fulfill you. Like, you need to start fulfilling yourself with reality, you know? Have you ever heard of Zen Habits? No. Okay, so look up a book called The Power of Less um, by Leo. I think his last name, it's it's Babaute or something like that. Um, And he's the author of Zen Habits. It's like a top, top 10, top 20 blog in the world. And it is one of my favorite books. And just if you like that kind of content, Zen habits and Leo and anything that he writes is 
going to be right up your alley. And I'm sure it will bring you incredible value. I love um, anything that is self-help. Oh, another good one, which is also the easiest read. And my friend just so happened to write it. It's called Self-ish by Brittany Berger and Self-ish. Okay. It's just, it's called 25 and Selfish because she was 25 when she wrote it. And that she just taught me to like, you know what? She was so unhappy with her job, with her surroundings, with everything that she just got up and left and moved and became this whole other person. So that's exactly what I did for a full three months. I just, I worked so hard and I didn't know who I was anymore that I just went and traveled by myself. And it was just so eye opening. And obviously not everyone is lucky enough to do that, but that book just like, it made me laugh and I forgot how important laughing is, you know, like right. natural humor. You know what I mean? That we're just, everyone's so serious all the time. And what I do is very serious. Everyone always says like, you know, you're so serious. How do you handle that? And it's like, you know, cause I don't take it so seriously. It's like you do what you can and you, and you, you move with that, you know, like you flow with it. So- right. So what is next for you and AWOM? Right now, I'm so bummed because, you know, we don't have Girls Club Fridays right now um, because of school, obviously. But I'm very excited because I have an incredible board that I just signed. And we're so excited to create online content for young girls so that we can teach them things. And honestly, it's not necessarily just for young girls. It could be for anyone if you take it the right way. Um, And just like helping lead and teach, you know, that it doesn't have to, like we said, community doesn't have to be in person anymore. We can do it via social media and everything like that. So I'm really excited to create content like that and grow that. I'm super excited to continue uh, my journey of styling because it's been such an amazing year. And I hope that we can pick that right back up where we ended a couple of weeks ago. Um, What else? you know, another year of an amazing gala. I can't wait for that to come around and just keep creating and keep, you know, keep growing a community of amazing people. Keep meeting people like you that ask me amazing questions, you know, and just always learning, always learning. I just always want to learn and and meet new people. Just be excited about life, you know? Love it. So let's switch into, in every segment, I do something called the Miami Rapid Fire. Just going to ask you a couple quick questions around Miami living. Short answers. The first thing that comes to mind. Okay. okay. Favorite food spot and dish. Sushi Lucy. And it's the seared salmon uh, sashimi. <laughs> Where is that? That is on 125th. And it's just this like hole in the wall sushi spot. But it's the boats that are in the water that like come okay. and you just pick at them. And it's like so cheap. But the best sushi ever and have you ever been to katana i have not i heard about it. it's like by normandy circle like 71st street and like around collins not at collins but it's around there never been no. oh my god i've been going to that spot for years and it's one of my favorite spots awesome. um perfect way to spend a miami weekend just beach bumming it you know i'm really big with the towel on the actual sand like I could go to Soho House and go on, but I just love like bumming it like real old school, like bringing like a cooler with food and, you know, just super old school. I just love that. If you are stuck in Miami traffic, what are you listening to? 
Um, it's always so different. Sometimes I like quiet too. So sometimes my car is like my moment to not put anything on. It's like I'm, you know, always in places that are loud or so sometimes I like to like for it to just be like my spot where I'm not, you know, or, you know, I love catching up with people when I'm in my car. So that's the moment where like I make my phone calls and stuff. Any other Miami businesses or individuals that you want to show a little bit of love to? So, so many. Um, people in general, uh, Brittany Berger from 25 and Selfish, the book I was telling you about. Oh, she just, I mean, her, her voice and her everything is so incredible. And, and her, her words hit so deep, like anybody will relate to her and she'll just uplift you within a second. Um, my friend Reese from We Are Complex, also amazing human being and amazing company in general. What do they do? Reese is a physical therapist and trainer, but also just like such a preacher um, such a believer in God and such a good human being. So I love, you know, whenever I'm feeling down, I shoot him a text and he just also knows how to uplift me. So I like to keep people like that around. I have so many, how many do you want? <laughs> <laughs> just whichever ones came to mind. It's all good. So in a second, I'm going to ask you to share with the listeners the best way for them to connect with you and find out what you have going on and keep up to date. But is there anything that I missed anything you wish I would have asked any last parting thoughts that you want to share with the listeners, anything, you know, I, I love the questions you asked, but even more, I think it's so wild how you picked up on like the little details, like how you made the friends thing such a moment because no one's ever really touched on my like personal, personal, you know, and that was such a big turning point in my life that I feel like you really like got that. So I feel like your intuition is right on point. I think you need to keep doing what you're doing, honestly. Thank you so much. Any parting thoughts with the listeners? Any piece of advice, whether it's during these times as we're recording or just anything in general? In general, I would say don't be afraid to like ask people for help or ask questions or think that anyone is like too good or too big for you, you know, to ask questions. Um, People are more willing than you think, and they need you just as much as you need them. And Sarah, what is the best way for listeners to connect with you, find out what you and your company and all of these things are going on? My Instagram, my personal Instagram is Soakiba, S-O-A-K-I-B-A. On there, on my bio, you can see all my different companies' Instagram. AWOM is so inspirational, so I love it. A-W-O-M. Yeah, that's where you can find me and all my details, my email, shoot me a DM. I always answer. Speaking of the AWOM Instagram, that's actually powered by my my dear friend, another amazing creator. Um, her name is Maria and she runs Doing You. It's a graphic design company and her mood boards and everything is just so incredible. And she does all of the AWOM content as a volunteer and as my board member. So it's she's just so amazing. She's a really good person to speak to also. Sarah, thank you so much. This was fantastic. You, I wish people could see like I didn't answer you. I'm smiling so big right now. This was just so incredible. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, 
Remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.